My guest on this week's episode of Suds and Search is Kane Jamison, founder at Content Harmony. Kane is a veteran digital marketer, conference speaker, and blogger. He is sought after for his expertise in content marketing. Kane has spoken at MozCon, Engage, State of Search, LaunchCon, and many other places. I really like the value prop for his company, Content Harmony. Content Harmony started as an agency in 2012 and worked with nearly 200 clients on content writing. Over time, Kane realized that a major differentiator for their agency was the quality of content briefs. Kane fundamentally shifted from an agency model and created software and workflows for agencies and writers to create content briefs. In my experience, creating content briefs is an important but often rushed process that can make or break a successful campaign. Content Harmony helps agencies and writers streamline the process of making content briefs with workflows and automation. The tool they've created has an almost hilarious number of testimonials from a who's who of the top SEOs in the industry. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with content marketing expert, Kane Jameson. We'll talk about what pain points his content brief software alleviates. We'll chat a little bit about his passion project, Insteading. And we'll talk about the famous MozCon pre-parties that Kane helped organize. Kane Jameson, welcome to Sudden Search. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Good, I'm looking forward well. to this. Well, cool, man. I I wanted to talk to you about uh, kind of a little bit of a background. You you said on your website it says that you offer agencies the tools you wish you had when you were an agency. Uh, what are the problems you're trying to solve? What were the major pain points when you were an agency? Um. <clears throat> I'm the type of, I was the type of agency founder that liked to hire people to do things and then walk away and let them do them. And sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't, but I was never the type that wanted to build process. Um, like rather have experiment with new stuff, have fun ideas, you know, do the keyword research, whatever, but not build processes and procedures and things like that. And so, um, the software we built is really me paying back all of the, uh, the debt I built up in uh, not building any of those processes. Um, it, it's it's basically we we took a step back and figured out the one thing that connected all the projects we were doing and how to turn that into an awesome process. So, um, as a content agency, we we were doing a lot of different types of content marketing, a lot of different types of promotion and things. But the one thing that connected everything together was research and building content effectively for clients. And so. Um, eventually, you know, you start building content, you give like a, a writer, a keyword to focus on, and then you see all the different things that can go wrong when you do that. And so you start building up longer instructions, right? You give them a paragraph, mm-hmm. like, I, I want the article to include this, this, and this, and then, you know, less things go wrong, but there's still things that just aren't quite what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And eventually as an agency or a content strategist or whoever's doing this, you figure out, I just need to do a full content brief. And so, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people throughout SEO and content marketing industry have kind of figured this out independently and people I've noticed across the industry getting better over the past five or 10 years. But um, after we started getting better and realized, you know, it's taking us two hours to put together this overview of what this content should look like. We're writing 600 words for how to write a 1500 word piece of content. Um, we figured out that we could automate a lot of it and structure the process better and just put the whole process on, you know, bowling with bumpers, like, like standardize the process. So it would go a lot smoother and a lot quicker each time. This makes perfect sense to me. I just want to make sure I got it. So you were running this agency, you had like 200 clients, uh, you're trying to move fast. And that was the differentiator. The content brief part was the, the, 
the thing that really set you up for success? What, you know, what about it was, uh, you know, you mentioned the time component, which I'm definitely going to get into. Was there something else about content briefs that was broken that you were trying to solve for when you created this software that, that could have been done better if you automated it? So if you look at what happens inside most teams, agency or in-house that are building briefs, you've got a Google Doc template usually, and it's a page or two long, and there's a bunch of bullets or tables. And if you teach somebody else on the team to build that brief, the way most people have been teaching it is, all right, this is the word count that we're recommending to the writer. Here's the five steps you go to go figure out the word count. Here's the target keywords. Here's the process that you go through to figure out what goes in this cell. And so it looks like a page or two document that's pretty simple, but underneath that, there's 20 or 30 sub processes that have to be done. And each one uh, involves opening up one or two tools or browser tabs, or looking at all these competitors or running competitors through these other anal analysis tools. And so a lot of it's tedious, just looking stuff up and a lot of it's undocumented. And so people will learn internally in an agency by word of mouth, like, oh yeah, go talk to Nicole. She's the one that does these the best and she'll show you how to build one. And then, you know, three hours later after you're done walking through it, it's just kind of like, all right, now you go figure out your own way of doing it based on everything I've just told you. And so that was the terrible way that we did it. That was how we saw other people doing it. Um, and so it's not just that it's a time suck, it's that it's so much small little bits and pieces that have to get assembled into understanding how to rank for a keyword or how to produce a piece of content effectively for a topic that you end up teaching a person all of content marketing inside of this one little page or two document if you try and train somebody on how to build a brief. And so a lot of what we tried to do was either do some of that manual stuff for people or at least give them a more standardized workflow so that you don't have to remember an imaginary 90 point checklist to build a brief mm. and content harmony. You go in and follow through kind of the default flow and there's maybe one or two or three or four things that your team does differently than content harmony does it. And that's okay. You still don't have to remember the other 90 things that are missing. That yeah, are that's really nice. Checklist. That's really nice. And I, I want to dwell on the timing part for a little bit if, if we could. I mean, yeah, it's that's easy for me to understand. It's it's generally a you know generally a slow process for turning out content. I mean, like it's even slower if it's good. You know, you really have to have good quality content. And at the same time, all Google's ever telling us is like it's got to be better. It's got to the standards for quality content keep going up. So we need more of it, and the standard for it being good is even higher. You know, so so I wonder, you know, like use your this the speed part of this is really, really important. Now, talk to me a little bit about how your tools really help solve for that speed component. Yeah, I think it it's a it's a balance, right? You gotta put in enough time to understand the topic and put together complete instructions for the writer or the client, whoever the brief is getting passed off to. Um, but at the same time, as soon as you start spending two, four, six hours detailing how the project should be done and somebody else is going to spend five or 10 hours building it. Like, you know, there's a, there's a ratio, there's a threshold where you cross over and you're like, all right, we spent too long on this. And so I'd say there's the right balance of time. You got to give it the proper attention. What we found is, and this is both what we found as an agency and then what I've kind of compiled through just anecdotal interviews, demo calls with a lot of other people in the same spot is a lot of people spend about an hour or two hours once building out a brief manually. And mm -hmm. most of that time falls into two buckets. Uh, well, 
two or three buckets. The first step is they, they search for the keyword, they open up a bunch of tabs, they open up href, semrush, they open up all the competitors, they open up a couple of like freebie side tools that they'll use to look up related information and things. So all of a sudden you've got 10, 20, 30 browser tabs open and it just takes a while to consume and compile and ingest all that information. And so that's the first time suck. The second one is that people, you know, you're going through all this as you're doing it, you're trying to do your best to kind of compile that research mentally and then also into a template. And so you're going through and you're basically copy and pasting stuff from all these different tools and tabs into a Google Doc. And that, that copy paste stuff takes forever. You've got to do formatting, you know, stuff, things like that. And then at the end, what people end up doing is, all right, I've compiled all this information. I've kind of gotten a feel for the topic and the space. And now it's time to actually like write the outline, like the, the kind of core element of what you're passing off to a writer or a client on. Here's how the page should be structured. Not just here's stuff you should reference or that you should read, but huh. here's what the page should look like when you're done with yeah. it to target the topic effectively for Google purposes, for user reader purposes, you know, all that sort of thing. And so people get so tired of doing all this manual work for like an hour that they try and skip through the outline quickly. And that's the most important part is how that content ah, gets structured. And so opening up all those tabs, fetching all that research, that's scraping types of tasks. Like we can automate that with software or scripts, whatever. Copy and pasting all that stuff, the way we personally solve that is we let you highlight the stuff that sticks out from the research and it just shows up in your brief template. So you don't have to like copy and paste a bunch of stuff. Got it. And so that's where the time savings opportunity is. And what that allows you to do is instead of spending an hour reviewing all this stuff and copy and pasting, now we can spend five, 10, 15 minutes doing the actual data information ingestion and then jump straight into building out like an outline, the more critical part and spend more time on that. So just as much as time savings, it's also letting you spend more time on the part that matters and like compiling your research and thoughts into recommendations for the writer, because that's what's more critical than just you understanding the topic as well as an expert would, if if you're like an SEO or a strategist building the brief, mm -hmm. or for a client or someone like that too. So, um, you know, the end goal of the brief is it's a set of instructions for someone else. And so the better, clearer, more effectively we can build that, that's the end goal that we're trying to get to. Well, it's very interesting. The, the data-driven part of this seems very important to you guys. It's like it's on your on your site a lot. You have something called "Done for You" briefs on your site, which says, you know, a content marketing strategist will deliver a fully vetted, data-driven content brief to your writers. Uh, data-driven appeals to me because I'm a digital marketer. Yep. What's what's the data, and where does it come from, and how does it eventually end up with a writer? Yeah. So for us. Um... A lot of what we're pulling in is scraping competitors and then doing additional research. So we'll pull in image and video related types of ideas as far as how you need to build out visual components of your content. We'll do the simple stuff like, um, you know, taking a look at readability and word count and, you know, fetching link metrics and things like that of competitors instead of making you do that through five different tools. And so a lot of it, if you're, if you're coming from an SEO background, or if you're an SEO strategist, it's the data that you're already looking at. It's just, you know, way less time to get it all in one mm -hmm. place. Um, if the person building the brief is from more of a content or an expert type of background where they are not the SEO expert, then it kind of forces them to be exposed to the SEO points that matter throughout understanding how to rank for a keyword because it's all there. They can't skip over the process. It's always in front of them throughout it. So 
the data is there to inform the final product, um, I guess is what I go back to and making sure everybody's always seeing the data each time you kind of plan out a piece of content, regardless of the type of content. Okay. To me, that's where the data driven part really comes in. All right. That makes sense. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the features of your tool. So sure. for, for one thing, you've got some great SEO value in here. So you could do some competitor analysis stuff. You could do some keyword research stuff. What are SEOs and strategists telling you that they like about your tool most? We, um, there are a lot of tools that will tell you a thousand keywords that are related to a topic you're working on or that you may want to include in a content. There are a lot of tools that will help you optimize, you know, grade your content against the topic model. We offer like a content grader feature as part of our workflow, but to us, you know, checking the topic model against what you've written is kind of like the last stage of the workflow. There's all this research that comes in up front. And so what most people care about is kind of the breadth of research that we offer them. You know, we go into pulling link data and things like that for competitors. Mm. So we go deeper on those SEO types of elements. At the same time, we're pulling related sources and things that you're probably going to want to link to or reference in your content or might make it easier to just do the research and things like image and video content, like visual content gets ignored in the SEO side of things a lot. But having that visual element to your content helps linkability, helps rankability, helps user, you know, factors like works well across the board. And so to me, that's a, a critical part of how you're building out a brief, how you're building out content and you can't skip over it, even though it doesn't fall into, you know, the keyword on page optimization type of uh, sure. factors that a lot of people are focused on when it comes to grading content. And so I would say, you know, breadth of features and then the workflow. We have a lot of teams that jump into Content Harmony that already have a really awesome workflow, but it's very manual. And so we help them. Our workflow is adaptable, like you can kind of adapt it to the parts you care about, but it's also just a nice drop in workflow if you don't have one. And so we're very focused on making it easy to kind of go through the workflow in a few different ways, depending on the type of content project you're working on, things like that. So, um, yeah, there, there are a bunch of little things, um, <laughs> how we've compiled them. Um, yeah, I told a few people, it's like looking inside of my brain after working in SEO and content for <laughs> a decade. Like these are all the things I care about almost all the time. And, you know, some of them are more important than others on different pieces of content, but you're going to cover the vast majority of what you need to look at before you build out a piece of content every time. I dig it. I like it very much. Um, we talked about the SEOs. There's another person involved here, which is the writer. So at the end of a very short sequence of steps, the end result is I get a content brief of some, some kind that will ultimately be used by the writing team from the writer's point of view. How do they like this? Uh, these content briefs from content harmony, what are they telling you that they're really enjoying? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we get less feedback if they're just receiving it as like a guest user or logged out user or something than we would from, you know, the like a, a strategist or someone if that's the user that's paying for the software. So that's interesting because we kind of have to solicit that feedback a little bit more on our own or we get it secondhand through the agency or client or, you know, in-house team that says writers are loving it or whatever. Um, Sometimes it depends a lot on the type of writer, the type of topic, things like that. Sometimes a really comprehensive brief is really helpful. And other times you kind of just want to keep it streamlined and simple and just here's the outline. Here's, you know, the stuff to focus on. And so um, 
it depends a lot on the writer and what they prefer to receive and what the team is producing. I would say, you know, the way our workflow works is there's a keyword report, which is the research that we pull for you and we help you compile this content brief. And that's usually a transfer point. And that might be a transfer from a strategist to a client. It could be a transfer to an agency writer. It could be a transfer to a freelance writer. So there can be all sorts of different people involved in the process. And the brief is kind of this meeting point in the middle. And the more people that are involved in the process, the more important it is to stop and say, does everybody agree that this is the project that we're about to do and mm -hmm. this is what needs to be involved because we're about to spend the rest of the budget on building this out, building graphics, promoting it. So now's the time to step up and say something doesn't look right here. So the more people that are involved, the more critical the brief is. Um, but from that point, from the brief, the last step of our workflow jumps into the content grader. And so where we're focused on the content grading side is really just helping the writer or the team make the content more comprehensive. Mm -hmm. So there's a few things we do differently than some of the other content grading tools in the market. One is we don't have a letter score system. So mm -hmm. a lot of tools that have an A, B, C, D yeah. letter grade. And I've never met a writer that wants to submit a B plus quality article. Right. So I don't like the, um, there's like a judgment value there of, of kind of how optimized it is. We, we have a scale that goes fair or poor, fair, good, and great. And good and great are both green, but we try and give you a lot more breadth as far as specifying what you want from the writer and how critical on-page targeting is. Because you might be working on a landing page, a product page, a service page, where on-page optimization is not the most critical ranking factor that you're working against. And so you want to have a comprehensive piece of content, but it's really more for the user and conversion than it is for Google, a uh, piece of content like that, as opposed to like a really long-form informational article. So we're focused on helping you optimize to whatever level is most appropriate in the okay. content grader. And we also try and make our grading model really transparent. You know, we are helping you optimize to use a broader set of topics and phrases from within our topic model. And we care less about you. We don't specify keyword density. We don't care if you say something six times or 60 or once. We just care about the total breadth of the topic that you've covered. And so, and it's weighted. So we're weighted towards more phrases that competitors use more frequently. So that lets us be pretty transparent with people on how we generate a topic model, how the grader is operating when you're actually writing within it. And we found that that transparency is really helpful because it allows teams to have conversations about not just, hey, is this, you know, scoring high enough, but, you know, being a little bit more deliberate about, all right, you know, have we covered the stuff that's most critical? Let's look through the unused phrases. Do these really matter to how we want to cover the topic? Yes or no. Um, and focusing less, maybe less on the score. It's still there as a nice tool, but can focus more on the quality of the content, what you're trying to achieve for the project. Yeah, it's, it does seem, so the point you made seems interesting to me, which is like grading content seems like it could be controversial. Like writers are a little creative by nature. They're uh, very proud of their work. You know, it seems like you could ruffle feathers with this grader. Has there been, from the, the writer's standpoint, I, I think that was very smart to not, not have like the ABCD F grade, but you know, even with this, has there been some? I'm an artist. <laughs> I need my creative freedom, and this is this is messing with me. Feedback. I, I don't think a writer <clears throat> that far on one end of the spectrum would would make it too long working with content marketers and yeah. SEO teams, just by nature. Um, yeah. But at the same time, if that's what's right for the content, you know, if it's a piece of thought leadership content from your CEO, and really the goal is to 
put out an opinion that um, that you know strikes right at what people care about in an industry, who cares about the keyword targeting? The ranking is not the goal. The goal is getting social shares, email shares, people sharing it in Slack DMs and things like that. And so if that's the goal of the content, then the grader is not going to help you make a better piece of content. It might help you fill some gaps and you can certainly grade it, but getting a better on-page targeting score is not the goal. Um, to the rest of the, the, the grading bit, I think the transparency is what, you know, keeps, keeps feathers unruffled, right? Like all we're doing yeah. is showing you things you have and have not used based on what we see other people using. And we see that the better, more comprehensively you cover a topic, the better you rank if on-page optimization is a critical ranking factor for the topic that you're working on. So that's very SEO centric, but the less SEO focused the project is, the less critical the grade is. And so we'll have people use our brief and our content hmm. grader for non-rankable content, so to speak, like a white paper or you know webinar, podcast ideas and things like that, just to redo research for a topic. And then the goal is not to get a better content score, but just to cover the topic comprehensively. And that's really what the, our, our grader is trying to do. Wow, well, very cool. Well, the last thing I want to point out is that your tool has an almost like hilarious number of testimonials from a who's who of SEOs. I saw Cyrus on there and Ruth Baridi and Dr. Pete and Bill Slosky and one after the other. It's like it's like all the people I want to have on the show, everything else. So, you know, Bill's tweet, I think Dr. Pete's tweet, they linked to a blog post that I was just like, I, I barely got into it. I and I, I it was one of the these ideas that I really wanted to talk to you about. But it's about search intent and the concept that I've had, I mean, I started in 2009, 2000, yeah, 2009, really full-time in SEO Same. search, search intent was always transactional, navigational information. That's been the, the way to think about it. <laughs> What's wrong with what I've been saying since 2009? Like I've said the same thing forever. You know, what, yeah. what, uh, what has changed? It, it probably does seem like it's time to rethink this concept, right? I should say those testimonials on our site, they're people saying nice things about us or things we've done. They're not all product testimonials, but they're, okay. I think most of those people would say nice stuff about the product too, but not, not all of them are purely product, but, um, but that post and with search intent, I got a long, a long list of things that I don't really like about informational, navigational, transactional. One would be if I show a client, a search result that is very local heavy. Most people would look at that and say, that's a navigational search. There's a map element and navigation has nothing to do with maps in this sense. Navigation is you trying to reach a specific site, specific destination, you mm -hmm. typing in Amazon. As SEOs, we would say that's a branded query. As a search engine, you would say that's a navigational query. They are trying to navigate to amazon.com or .co.uk or whatever it is. An informational query, that's probably the only one that does get used accurately. Transactional gets used as this person's trying to complete a transaction as more, more emphasis on the action. They're trying to do something. And so a search engine would think of a calculator query as a transaction. The user's trying to get this thing done. So it's not transactional in the sense of purchase intent. And so people have taken this model that was developed for search engines and started using it as what, uh, as marketers. And it, it doesn't mm -hmm. really flow very well. Three categories is not really enough to describe all the different reasons that people might be searching for things. People search for inspiration. They search for immediate answers. They search for research related to something they saw on Netflix last night. They search for research related to something they're about to buy today. So there's all these different factors that go into why somebody's searching for something. 
we built out our own intent system and it was focused heavily on not just, you know, there's seven, 10 blue links inside the search, but what else is there? What's the order? What's, what's the search result page generally looking like? If it's really heavy on a map and local elements, then we would flag it as a local search. If it's really heavy on e-commerce product, category pages, shopping carousels, best reviews, we would call that a transactional type of query because people clearly look like they're trying to purchase something. But there's lots of other different types of searches. And so we have branded and entity types of results, answers, research, um, image and video intent. And what it really helps you do is understand if Google's trying to display something, then you're just average page of content. We probably shouldn't be writing a blog post about this topic intending to rank for this keyword, right? We should probably be doing something else. Perfect example is how to tie a tie. If you Google how to tie a tie, you'll see a large featured snippet video at the top. And unless you are ties.com, which is ranking in roughly the fourth or first organic slot, but fourth or fifth result type on the page, unless you're ties.com, you're not gonna write a blog post that will ever rank for how to tie a tie. You need to target that with a really awesome video. Oh, yeah. It's part of your video program. You gotta have a YouTube That's channel. Such a good point. And so, if you're doing keyword research for a fashion site, that's definitely a keyword that will come up, but sitting down and thinking you're gonna rank for it by writing the world's best blog post is the wrong way to target it. So that's how we think about intent is it, it kind of as a red light, green light system on, is there any reason that just a page of text would not rank for this keyword? And if there is, let's flag it for you because you need to know that at the beginning before you start researching how to build a brief or how to effectively build a piece of content. Well, awesome. Well, I, I want to wrap up with a couple of things. I did a little research. There's a blog I think you're related to called Insteading. Yeah. It has little, if anything, to do with marketing and search. <laughs> Not much. Very little to do with content. <laughs> What's this all about? Uh, so Insteading is a gardening, homesteading, kind of sustainable living type of site. And it kind of spun off of another personal blog I had talking about just gardening stuff my wife and I were doing at our home in Seattle. And so um, I, I'm not the main writer on the site. I'm kind of more the editor and publisher. We've got a whole bunch of writers that live all across the world, do different types of gardening, farming, homesteading types of stuff. And um, yeah, and so there's there's a marketing element in that we, we like to, to rank and get traffic for these topics, but it's kind of a passion project in the sense that um, yeah, we're not not doing it because it makes a ton of money. We're doing it because I, I really love the topic and I like building out the site and the community. It's unbelievable. Well, let me finish with everybody's favorite part of the show. This is where Greg Gifford gives me a question for our guest. And uh -huh. I he gives me no context to the question. So I don't know what this <laughs> is. And the guest doesn't know what this is necessarily. So there's a, a bit of a high wire X for both of us. For Kane Jameson, he has MozCon pre-party. Does that mean anything to you? Uh, a little bit. Uh, so first time I went to MozCon was in 2012 and somewhere on Twitter, I think Dave Minchal was saying, we're going to meet at Pike Place Brewery. And then he didn't come the next year. So, um, myself and Zeph Snap and some other folks took it upon ourselves to start getting people together at the, I think it was the Tap House or Tap House Bar and Grill beforehand. And, um, I haven't even been the last few times, but People, various other people have taken over that over the years. And so that's kind of turned into a Sunday night thing before MozCon that um, has kept going for uh, probably 10 years now, even though the last two have been virtual. That MozCon, those early MozCons were like 
it was like all these stars of SEO before they were stars of SEO. It was like, you know, that would come out. So I bet those, those parties, there's some good stories out of there. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Go to the conferences to meet people in the hallways, not necessarily just for the speakers. I dig it. All right. Well, Kane, thank you so much for coming out. If people want to connect with you or learn more about your company, what's the best way? What's your favorite social media? What's the best way to reach you? Twitter's where I'm at, Twitter and LinkedIn, um, as far as my personal stuff, but uh, contentharmony.com, that's the that's the product and, and everything we're working on at the moment. And uh, yeah, I'm Kane Jameson on Twitter. All right, well, awesome. Well, I'm going to give you a virtual cheers for now. I'm going to sign off for, as my dog is barking, uh, but I'm going to sign off for now and we'll be back next week with another episode of Southern Search. Thanks for having me, Mark.